Impressions. Welcome to Impressions, a podcast of non-genre-specific, impressionistic music recommendations. There's an accompanying Spotify playlist for each episode. You can find it on our website, impressionspodcast.com. You might want to listen to the songs before or after this episode, or you might want to listen along with us. We'll give you a cue. My name is Busy Hemphill. My name is Nick Forrest. Welcome to another week of impressions. Today, we're going to do a little bit of time traveling. Mm. What does time travel mean to you? Because I have been thinking about and redefining time travel basically every single day this week. Mm, mm -hmm. I have several different ways that I'm thinking about time travel. One is a little bit literal in terms of time signatures mm-hmm. moving back and Ooh, forth. That's a good one. I did not think of that one. That's okay. <laughs> one I just heard for the first time yesterday and it is very transportive. Cool. I went back to a very particular time in my life. Yeah. Very curious to hear how you feel about the song. And then the other one, oh God, the same things that have happened in the past keep happening. So it feels like we're in wow. a time loop. Yeah. So time travel means a lot of things. It does. This week, time travel to me meant memory, basically. I think the way I personally experience time travel is through memory, specifically accessing memories that I hadn't thought about in a while or Mm -hmm. that were just particularly potent. I think in the same way that smell is a scientific trigger for memory, oftentimes I experience that through song as well. I have, I connect songs so strongly to certain parts of my life or certain experiences. So the first song I chose is a song that's been with me forever and ever. And I just, I love it. It's one of my favorite songs. Nice. And the second song is one of those kind of Madeleines of a song (laughs) that it just, I hadn't heard it in probably years. <laughs> For those of you who haven't read Proust, <laughs> Madeleine, <laughs> sorry to sound like a dickhead, um, it, it's something that immediately transports you back to a memory in sort of a full bodily experience. And then finally, my third song, I think, is an actual time traveler. I think the song was written in the future and the past at the same time. Ooh. So this song, as I mentioned, has been with me forever. It's one of my favorite songs that, I, that I've ever heard. It's sort of followed me throughout my childhood. It became really significant in college to me. And Mm. then I think the content of the song itself definitely speaks to this idea of travel and existing throughout time, which I'll talk about after we listen to the song. Mm. This particular version of the song is by Valerie June, an artist I recently became acquainted with. She is very inspired by kind of Appalachian country music. And I just love the way her voice works with this song, kind of makes you rethink the song and and kind of experience it as if you're hearing it for the first time again. So Mm. this is Cosmic Dancer, originally by T-Rex being covered by Valerie June. Impressions. There was something like extraordinarily nostalgic about yeah. this song. And it's yeah. it's not just the twangy singing, which mm-hmm. is definitely part of it. There's also these beautiful strings that are yeah. in there. Sometimes yeah. there's this chord that happens that adds a really complex layer to what's Mm -hmm. happening already Mm -hmm. and then it kind of does a glissando out of it yeah it felt like a nostalgic take on the original like there it is very close but there's these other layers that she's added that 
add a touch of sadness. Yes. I mean, to me, nostalgia is always a little bit sad. It's like, you yeah. you know, a longing for a place you can no longer return to. I feel that yeah. with this song. Yeah. It had such particular images that were not my life, but like in the way nostalgia works, like yes. that were an imagining of some happy time in somebody's life. <laughs> <laughs> might be mine. Who knows? Ah. Step into the tomb. I dance and step into the tomb. Is it strange to dance so soon? I dance myself into the tomb. I have this idea of the time traveler in my head as a person who's just perpetually out of place. Mm. They're perpetually just can't fit in. Mm. You know, they're in a time that doesn't necessarily belong to them Mm -hmm. or that they have experienced. And I think that's really close to how I experience nostalgia as well. You know, I find myself having nostalgia for periods of time I've never experienced. It's this weird, oftentimes very uncomfortable feeling to Mm. kind of romanticize a past that is not part of my own history. And the song does give me that feeling as well. I was drifting over country fields or embarking on a journey into the wilderness or I just had the sense of motion and um, like traveling back towards something simpler. And I Mm. I hesitate saying the word simpler Mm. because I think so many people think of the past as a simpler time. Um, (laughs) It it wasn't. I mean, we could all agree that it wasn't. (laughs) And so I, I find myself kind of treading these nostalgic waters really cautiously and with a really critical eye. But still, there's something just so beautiful and so sad in memory and experiencing memory. And there's something very queer about this song. I think the way I've experienced this song is to celebrate this idea of dancing as exuberance Mm -hmm. and dancing as this unapologetic expression of who you are. The story the song paints is such a circular version of time like the, the figure in the song is dancing out of the womb then it's dancing back into its grave and then it's dancing through time it's skipping back and forth mm. and I guess in my interpretation of like queer time um, a time that doesn't adhere to kind of a, a heterosexual linear time, linear time. Make yeah those kids exactly you can kind of experience your childhood you can kind of skip ahead and inhabit an older soul you can kind of go back and forth in the quote-unquote appropriate experiences you have in life simply because you don't follow mm. a time frame that involves procreation and I don't know I think that's part of the reason why this song has really stuck with me through mm. through the eras I remember in college when we were all living together in that apartment this song featured heavily in a movie we loved mm-hmm. um, called Velvet Goldmine and I just see like our friend Shane like twirling around in like a glittery cape and like Sebastian like painting glitter makeup onto his eyes with this song playing and I don't know if those memories actually happened mm. this song to me is kind of a soundtrack to a group of really close friends kind of experimenting with who they want to be and who they want to grow into mm. and it's just a very it's a song of kind of adolescence and youth and experimentation but told from a great distance. My fake past that might be real, I don't, uh-huh. <laughs> it's really not. I I lived in the Midwest for like such a short amount of time, but I did think it was interesting. You did mention like flying over the fields. Like yeah. the first image I got was being in some kind of orchard, eating a fresh peach in the Ooh. late summertime yeah. with golden light. Yes. And then as it went on, 
I definitely felt like a summertime bonfire, particularly at the end when it does go into a, a no lyric part where there's vocals and process guitars and some of the strings and they're, they're really swirling around and it reminded mm-hmm. me of like what you're talking about with um, Shane and his glitter cape twirling around. But I was like, oh, all these like weirdo hippies in the Midwest yes. kind of twirling around a bonfire <laughs> in the middle of this field. Field, yeah. which I think is a an experience like I've idealized a lot. It's also to me a very end of summer song. I love that you mentioned yeah. the peach because here the peach is kind of the last fruit <laughs> we get to enjoy before the summer ends. Someone I work with posted on Facebook like, does anybody want Colorado Palisade peaches? These are Ooh. really delicious peaches. Get in contact with this woman. And so I contacted that woman mm-hmm. and I just picked up 10 pounds of peaches oh the other God. day. I'm already like <laughs> mostly through them. Whoa. So for the next two orders, I'm getting 20 fucking pounds Good for you. <laughs> I love peaches. Peaches are my favorite. Mm. Oh, interesting. I don't think I've had very many good peaches in my yeah. life. So, like, I'm really on this train right mm-hmm. now. I mm. choo choo peach trains leaving the station. <laughs> it's just too hot to bake. Yeah. But I have an air fryer, so I was thinking yeah. of making like a tiny cobbler. Ooh, in the air fryer. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if yeah, you can freeze them, you can make like a really easy, quick peach sorbet because they they already kind of have the texture of sorbet. Just blend them up, and I don't know, throw some cream in them if you want. Oh yeah, it's good. What it's a delicious good. summertime snack! Or when you're in the middle of the winter and you wish you could taste summer, what a delicious wintertime snack! Yeah, pickle some. You can pickle some peaches, and then oh, that would be interesting. They have to be a little bit like unripe for that to happen. first song I want to play for you is that kind of time signature time traveling. Cool. The guy who does the song, Chris Cohen, he was a deer hoof. Oh. So remember when they were a little bit math rocky yeah. and did a lot of weird time signature stuff? Yep. So this song is called As If Apart by Chris Cohen. And something I do appreciate about it is you never lose the main beat. You are mm. never lost in that way, but you can tell that so many things are changing around you. So it grounds you, but it also transports you at the same time. I love that description. I cannot wait. I always like, I always try to kind of like bounce around in my chair when I'm listening to these math rocky kind of songs. I'm like, This one was great. My first impression was that I was kind of going on a mad dash through a bunch of different eras, Mm. a bunch of different times and being kind of sucked through this portal. Mm. There's such like that heavy kind of grounded, dense beat you were talking about. Like that was like the engine of the time machine. That was propelling us forward through time. But then the singer has this like airy kind of floaty, echoey voice. And that was just like all the galaxies and... I don't know, ephemera of time kind of floating by. I love that. And then like these processed bendy sounds come in at like two minutes, I think. And I'm like, oh man, maybe like my body got scrambled or something. Like I arrive in (laughs) the year 2045 and I have the wrong head or something. What a what a fun image! <laughs> that's an image. That's an impressionistic image for you all. <laughs> I 
had the machine going as well. Uh-huh. Mine was much, sadly, more um, terrestrial and gotcha. of this chronological plane. Um, <laughs> to me, it felt like taking a train into a big city, right? Ooh, There's like yeah, this driving yeah. beat underlying that never changes despite all of the changes that are mm-hmm. happening in the song. Mm-hmm. And like on the way there, different people come on to the train. The train maybe stops in the middle of a tunnel when you don't really expect it. The sound Landscape of the train changes as different people get on too mm-hmm. and I liked that in a lot of different parts of it you know when it does kind of get quieter it feels like you're in the tunnel and then you come out and it's a totally different vista than what you were looking at before yeah but it's there you were on that train that took mm-hmm. you there like you and your um journey through a wormhole of time or right. something yeah <laughs> Yeah, but it was just more of like, ah, this is an experience you can have in your daily life if you take a train. I do think trains are really cool. (laughs) Trains are really cool. I love that you're talking about trains because the instrumentation and the beat just, I got this like 1930s newsreel vibe. Like, sure. Coming up next. And you know, I've never experienced the 30s, but there's something about technology, like vintage technology specifically from that time period when everything was so heavy and mechanical. And I, I often talk about this idea of like retro futurism, but retro future in the, in the thirties was just so like metally and shiny and driven by oil and steam, but not steampunk. Um, right. The, that deco look though, <laughs> that right? That deco look, like it's such an, ur- an age of like urban, I don't know. Yeah, industrialization, you know, transportation's really taking off. Like cars have been invented by this point and highways are like the first highway system started in the 20s. I get what you're saying. It's all kind of like, ooh, the new city. Let's let's go take a drive. Yeah, Everything's sort of coming at once and everything is rapidly changing all at once. Um, Yeah, and also trains. There's this book and I'm trying to quickly Google it. But basically, the way that we coordinate time has to do with coordinating train schedules. Like, we would not all be on the same kind of time, or we would not consider, like, you know what, we need to know, 12.01 p.m. Like, Mm -hmm. because before you're like, oh, it's like the middle of the day, the time blocks were much more amorphous. But getting to the place on time required that cities Mm -hmm. coordinated their, their times. I love that. Right? Yeah. I found the name of the book. It's called The <laughs> Railway Journey by Wolfgang Schivelbusch, which sounds like a fake name. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that person's a time traveler. He's not yeah. he's not of any time and you That's know it. <laughs> so my second song is lyrically about visiting a place that you've been before, but on a personal note, back in the early aughts, MySpace was all the rage. If you've never experienced MySpace, it was a slightly more DIY version of social media now. It compared to what we exist in now, it kind of felt like the Wild West, but there's also the same insecurities and same posturing that yes. exists across. Who's all your top of eight friends? Seven crushes of mine plus my one best friend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of my crushes had this song as a song that auto plays when you visit your MySpace profile. It's such a time capsule to me from the early aughts. It was made in 2005 by a band called Domantique. I believe they're Parisian or mm. at least French. Listening to this feels like a Madeleine, which is appropriate because it's French. <laughs> it's called I Hate You Forever, which is such an adolescent statement that I love. <laughs> Et 
Confessions. Was the crush that had this on their MySpace page from college or from high school? This is someone who was purely an internet-only crush. I discovered him by filtering men interested in men. Nice. So it's possible he lived like somewhere around the globe. It's, it's no one I actually truly really knew. I just was like, wow, this person is interesting. They're really cute. They're into this weird French, like the Postal Service-inspired music. <laughs> This was the summer of 2005. It was the first summer I I was home after going to college for the first time. I was a very online teenager in ways that I'm now starting to realize more and more as I get older. Mm, So I had a lot of these kind of like online only MySpace friends that I mostly discovered by filtering men interested in men, usually in my local area. I did invent Grindr. (laughs) And as a gay kid in Ohio, like you kind of need to be resourceful with the queer community you find because there's not Mm. that many of them, at least where I grew up. So I think that contributed to my online-ness as a child. It's a very teenage song. I think that's why I was asking. So I think it's teenage in a lot of ways. The first image I had was like, (laughs) this was my teenagehood. Like someone is crying at this party. Um, (laughs) That that might be at an all ages venue (laughs) that is covered in graffiti. I love it. The song is called I Hate You Forever, but the object of hate in the song is the small town, not a person. I mean, it could be, you know, a metaphor for a person, but I like that if you just listen to it, literally, it's I hate you small town. So there's a lot of optimism Mm -hmm. about getting out. It feels also kind of like the last party before Mm -hmm. you leave for college or before you, you know, maybe you are not going to college, but like before you get out of your small town. So there's definitely, it's filled with the dreams Mm -hmm. of getting out somewhere and making your mark on the world. Yeah. It is such a teenage song. Yeah. I was a literal teenager when I first heard this song. And I definitely yeah. was having those feelings. I loved my family. I generally enjoyed where I grew up. But, you know, when you're adolescent, all you want to do is get out and do your own thing. This song is 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 that. At the time, I thought this song was so cool. I'm like, oh, my God, no one knows about this band. They're so cool. <laughs> How do you feel listening to it now about your past self? Kind of cringy. Like okay, a little okay. bit. Ooh, oh my God. But it still like instantly transports me back, back to those feelings, those really young, adolescent, cringy feelings that feel so hilarious now looking back as a 35-year-old adult. <laughs> it's fun and satisfying to kind of float above that vision of myself sitting on his parents computer listening to the song through computer speakers oh i love that okay the next song i want to play is it's sad it's beautiful and it's it's got a lot of power in it. The band is called Gabriel's, and they're from LA. This song was written last summer, and it's called Love and Hate in a Different Time. I think you'll be able to hear it in the song, but there's really just this kind of like, how does history continue to repeat itself again and again and again? I think this song does a really good job of doing that sonically. 
of just kind mm. of exploring that question. So love and hate in a different time. If you hadn't told me this was written just a year ago, it feels timeless and also vintage. I, it's incredible. Listening to it, I was like, yep, you can definitely see this playing over like newsreel footage from the mid-century civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. the music video is a lot of footage from a lot of the protests that happened in L.A. last summer. One of the things that we talk about in critical race theory that pe- people doing CRT talk about is the long civil rights movement. So starting from mm-hmm. Reconstruction and how like basically we're still having those same conversations that we had 150 years ago in Reconstruction yeah. of how to yeah. make the United States really live up to its ideals of, you know, freedom and opportunity for all. And that's really what CRT is about. But we talk a lot about like the two steps forward and one step back. So reconstruction, great. All these amazing policies to try to make the United States more equitable for recently freed black people or black people who are already free and did that. And then don't worry, Jim Crow comes in. So you're taking some steps back Mm -hmm. and like, you know, things that came out of the mid-century civil rights movement, like affirmative action. That was okay. Like trying to address these kind of systemic inequalities, but don't worry. Now everybody thinks it's reverse racism. So Mm -hmm. then that's been like really pared down. So yeah, I just, I felt a lot of that. We're moving, but we're, we just keep getting pulled back Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And there's like these lovely gospel elements in that song. I love the reverent vocals that sound almost ghostly, right? Those were really affecting to me. And they kind of just, they pull you through (laughs) the entire song and kind of just echo around. Ghostly was the word I was looking for. It's hard to tell with music these days when it's from. And I'm like, are you from now? (laughs) Are you from the past? Who knows? But then when those kind of electronic like rears kind of come mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. I was like oh no 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 this takes place now yeah. but it is definitely hearkening back to a very particular sound and a, like a song of liberation like all of the things but just placing it in the present day because these conversations aren't over The song itself was so haunting and yet warm. And mm. it's I keep saying this word warmth, but I, I just got a lot of warmth and kind of intimacy from this song. Ooh. It just felt very close and intimate. Like the singer was just singing directly into my ear. or And then those gospel voices behind you were sort of again, creeping up around you and reminding you that like this sound or these issues are still relevant and felt like a testimony from a person or mm. someone just being like, you need to believe me. Like you need to hear me. Like this is, <laughs> this is what I need to tell you. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at is this kind of intimate urgency. I love that. Um, it was such an intimate song to you. Cause to me it's, and, and I love that you were like, no, I felt it. I felt him in my ears being like, no, please, you got to pay attention. Because to me, it's such a, exactly, a yeah. communal song. I'm sorry about my dogs. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know what's happening. But it felt like such a communal song. I think yeah. because these issues are like they do affect so many people. And I think the right. images that right. I see are so much of people marching together. And there's this idea of like, okay, if we yeah. all come together, something great can right. happen. Right. But I love right. your interpretation because it's true. It's like, but if an individual doesn't show up, then it doesn't matter. Like, you got to have that kind of individual desire to connect with this larger group in order to try to make an impact. I think the the intimacy was in its importance Mm. and just how critical the message is for the singer's survival Mm. or existence. Like, the intimacy of, I guess, bearing your soul. I think intimacy and, like, collectivism are weirdly intertwined in my head. The way in which we have similar experiences... Mm. There's an intimacy, I guess, in that kind of empathy with others. I sure. Don't I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I, I wasn't there, and then I was there. It, yeah. I got there with you. Because yeah. I think I think empathy is that thread that that is that connection yeah. between the personal intimacy and a collective intimacy mm-hmm. is empathy. Yeah. it's. <laughs> I think I was not there and there right along with you as the <laughs> words were spilling out of my mouth. <laughs> But also just like the simple act of listening to a song, especially how most people listen to songs these days alone on their headphones, that feels like an intimate act. I want to know where it was recorded. There's something about the recording that also sounds... Like it was not done in a studio, but it feels like a group recording in some kind of communal space together. Like I had this image of like a microphone suspended from the ceiling and everyone sort of huddled around it in in this public hall or church or in a basketball court, like in an old high school. Like that's, I don't know, like (laughs) I lived by this giant like WPA era high school and like that was the room I was envisioning the song in as well. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I guess we had a, we definitely had like a deco-ish high school and the Uh rumor that was going around at the time, which honestly might be real, I would not be shocked given the relationships between various institutions. It looks very much like San Quentin prison, which is not that far from my high school. Mm. And so the Mm. kind of urban legend was that they use the leftover materials from San Quentin to build our high school. Where's our last destination for you? I mentioned that the last song feels like it was written by a time traveler. Um, The song is from Nina Simone. It was written in 1971, which purely coincidentally was the same year Cosmic Dancer was written. (laughs) A lot of people have called it kind of an apocalyptic future. She kind of creates a timeline that stretches into the 1990s. And she talks of famine and war and changing gender roles and all kinds of different things. The thing is, I don't find it apocalyptic. There's something so optimistic in this song. And just imagining her imagining a future... And if you really listen to the lyrics, so much of it kind of tracks <laughs> onto what actually happened in the, in the last century. This next song is 22nd Century by Nina Simone. Impressions. There's a lot of lyrics in that song. Yeah. It is an eight and a half minute song. <laughs> one that really stood out to me, when there is no one and everyone... I was just thinking about our our party conversation a couple of weeks ago and that Gen Z party where they're like, there is Mm -hmm. no gender, but everybody is there. And this feels like that too. Like when there is no one and everyone, like this idea of individual identities maybe has gone away because everybody's there. Mm -hmm. 
And Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying with there's potentially something optimistic in this song. Like, it's not necessarily apocalyptic. It is um, uncomfortably realistic. There, there are so many moments that just give me pause and make me reflect on history and the future. Yeah. I think my general take is like, by her saying tomorrow is the 22nd century, there's a sense that there's a hope for the future. Like, it's almost like, don't worry, mm. we're getting there. Like, we're going to get through this together in mm. this collective sense. But I think this time, it almost felt like a warning, mm-hmm. especially considering when she wrote the song in the early 70s, you know, in a period of, of American history that was just, and world history for that matter, is so fraught and full of conflict. It feels like a warning. Like, it's mm. coming sooner than you think. This apocalypse is coming sooner than you think. So, I don't know. I was holding both this, this sense of warning mm-hmm. and alarm with the sense mm-hmm. of optimism. Which I just feel like is how we experience the future, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's, it's like the antithesis to the don't worry, be happy song, you know. It's, no, be worried, but also be happy that you have a future. I guess it's just a very normal human feeling, but I love thinking of the future in this way that balances optimism with mourning and fear. I mean, it's always been that way, but more than ever. I hate saying now more than ever, but it's really that way right now. I mean, I think that when we historically have envisioned the future, it's kind of like this deep optimism of like, oh, yeah. things must get better because <laughs> right, right. they got to be better than what we're doing now. Right. And now we're at this point where we can kind of, you know, like thinking about the climate. That's just one global example mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. think about. But like we actually have a goodly amount of data that kind of not can predict our future, but points to something that isn't great and that we can see and we can see like in real time the effects Mm -hmm. that the last 150 years have had on our planet, right? I hear what you're saying of like not wanting to make it like now more than ever. But I do think that there's something about now and looking into the future at least, I, I mean, I'm going to speak for me. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm just very pessimistic about oh, yeah. the future. Like, I'm like, why yeah. would I have kids? Why no. would I bring them into no. this terrible, terrible place? <laughs> Nothing's going to get better. When I think of the future, it's it's a sense of anxiety and fear. You know, considering that part of the reason why my voice is so scratchy today is because of wildfires that are happening in Oregon and Montana. Yeah. Like, that's... The scale, I I talk a lot about the scale of things and how the scale of disaster just seems so incomprehensible and global at this point, Mm -hmm. Um, but also so every day. Mm -hmm. What I do like about this song is like, as cautious as I am around optimism, the song invites you to be a little bit optimistic with its steel drums and its guitar. And like, it has kind of like a carnivalesque, like, let's all sing around the picnic or the campfire together. Like there's that kind of joyousness that underscores these pretty dark lyrics throughout most of the song right it's a little bit of like yeah it's gonna suck but guess what we're all here together and it's gonna suck for all of us yep (laughs) 
Yeah, I love that you brought up the steel drums and the guitar. Okay, so when I first heard it, those those things came in, and yeah. in my mind, I was like, oh, those goddamn Soros globalists. Like, that's what <laughs> the song kind of felt like. And oh, I, man. And just totally, going yeah. back to what you said before we listened of this being a little bit of an optimistic song, and then again, that line that stuck out to me of when there is no one and everyone, mm-hmm. and then thinking about Soros globalists. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is a song that would be hard for people who long for those quote simpler times yes of the yes. past because yes. those are gone they are and mm-hmm. you do have to kind of think about okay what does the 22nd century look like and can be positive can be negative but we're thinking forward she wrote this song according to her memoir um when she had fled to Barbados, mm. pursued by ghosts. Mm. So she was definitely calling on very specific instruments, but steel drums are hard for me. I, I see like boomers getting drunk in Key West, <laughs> but I find them very beautiful and very moving in the song, simply because they're paired with this really bleak, sort of optimistic imagination of the future. I feel like the song was written by a time traveler. It just <laughs> She's reaching toward the 90s and the 80s in a way that feels like she's experienced it personally. And she's kind of coming back from those, from those decades to, to report to the people of the present. I love imagining sort of being greeted by this time traveler who's saying there will be a 22nd century, but it's going to kind of suck getting there. So There really is a combination of things that are hopeful and yes. things that are a little bit more dystopian and feel kind mm-hmm. of like Black Mirror-esque. Mm-hmm. But some of the things like liberation of animals, prevention of cruelty to animals, man and beast, flying and on flying, flying things, revolution of music. I was like, that's a great stanza. That sounds pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> but then there's these other lines like, your heart is a plastic thing that can be bought. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, sure, true. materialism. Yeah. Social media. Just get those hearts. Get those likes. <gasps> oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I just thought of that. <laughs> also predicted like the future of social media. So. Yeah. I mean, and... Yeah. There's a line to even your brain is not your brain. And that made me think of one of my favorite Chinese words, which is dianao, which is the word for computer. And it literally means electric brain. That's amazing. I love even that. Even your brain is not your brain. Welcome to the future, you all. Guys, it's here. It's here it's now. Here. We're in it. <laughs> Liberation of animals. Prevention of cruelty to animals, man and beast. Flying and unflying, flying things. Revolution of music, poetry, love and life. Sex, changing, changing, changing. All right, the last song where I'm ending. So I just heard this song yesterday for the first time. Cool. It has a lot of different shifts, so I didn't realize actually it was the same song I was listening to. <laughs> But this part came and I was so transported to a very particular time, even though I'd never heard the song. And it kind of makes me cry. And I'm just so curious to hear if it transports you and where it transports you to. Cannot wait. So this song is called Haunted, which seems appropriate to. Haunted (laughs) by The Pink Louds. Right off the bat, I was transported to kind of this quiet, lush, semi-abandoned garden. Okay. It was like kind of a, an oasis in a city. As soon as those like, the lululu, I can't, I'm not going to do that. As soon as, <laughs> I'm not going to do the cut that out. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. 
I was kind of pulled out of that and it was a rush of memory and it was a rush of feeling. It kind of sounded like ambulances surrounding me or just like sirens or something. So it was this feeling of like, alert, alert, like you're about to have an intense memory and it's going to kind of take up your entire body. And like the sirens are going off and like, oh my God, maybe you don't want to remember this. But then it just, it became ecstatic. You reach the end of that kind of ecstasy and then you're offered kind of this new take and it feels like you went through the tunnel again you're in a new landscape like the song keeps reminding you of itself So the song came out, I think, in 2017, so it's pretty recent. But it very much transported me to some time in the mid-2000s. Yes. I was like, oh, shit, we're at Old Club at Swarthmore. Uh But yeah, it's it's so filled with this past optimism, Mm -hmm. which in my nostalgic lens is tinged with sadness. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right, that feeling that I, I don't know if I'll have again. Yeah. Oh, the future is wide open. Mm-hmm. Being with this collection of people that I really love mm-hmm. and that have been like really transformative yeah. for me all in one place. Oh my God, where does that happen? Yeah. I think of that time as kind of like the height of my like musical discovery like, that's not true but i think it was a time when i was consuming so many so much new music i was meeting so many yeah. new people at that time we were kind of blending all of our personal music tastes and styles together and it just felt like okay this is kind of a foundation i'm building upon for who i want to be in the future it almost feels like a, a homecoming or something you know there's this like hilarious genre of music where like there's like whistling and claps and someone yells hey yes. <laughs> like, that's like the corny version of this style of music but it took me back there. It's a little bit sad. It definitely was like, mm-hmm. okay, that time is gone. Many of those folks, you don't even think about that much anymore. I don't know. There's something about the the drum rolls. Um, again, very like mid 2000s indie yes. rock, but the da 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 And it does yeah. make me well up. And I was like, why is this? Why is this so affecting to me? Totally, totally. So it was fun to return to this too. This era of music to me was like, Every band sound, kind of sounded like it was like a marching band that was also maybe a cult that was also maybe like living in an RV. Tra- like it was all sort of this weird, invented, nostalgic history. When you were talking, I was like, ah, you mean Sufjan Stevens and the Polyphonic Spree. Exactly. Like Sufjan Stevens, Polyphonic Spree, the Go Team. Like oh, they all might be in a cult. Right. They all were in marching bands. Like. <laughs> I remember going to the Unitarian Church to see, um, God, it might have even been Sufjan. I have no idea who it was. But like the opening band was this weird, it was called the Family Danielson. Yeah. And they were definitely like a cult and like dressed as trees and <laughs> like playing weird toy-like instruments. And like everyone kind of looked the same. I'm just like, I think I like this, but this does deeply unsettle me at the same time. <laughs> I transported through various times and spaces. Thanks for going on this journey. It was fun. I found, I don't know if I remember, I made this card at some point in college and it was a picture of like a goofy tugboat and it says like, just fuck me inside of it. (laughs) Those were our impressions. Ah.